Raiders, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it. You love it. It is Victory Lane. This week, Chase Elliott wins at the Glen. But why are people upset about it? I'll tell you why. Plus, a first-time winner in not only the Xfinity Series, also the Truck Series, but wait, there's more, and... In the K&M Pro Series East, a lot of first-time winners in victory lane this past weekend all across the country. A preview of Michigan and Mid-Ohio in the main event as well on this week's card. A one-on-one interview with the one, the only, Landon Castle, driver of the double zero for Starcom Racing in the Cup Series. And everyone's favorite personality, one of the, I think, underrated personalities in NASCAR because he runs with a backmarker team, so to speak, but... He's a really cool guy. We had a really nice over 20-minute conversation a couple weeks back at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. So appreciate his time and his honesty. It was a really fun conversation. There is still no damn intro for this podcast. So as I said last week, here comes the lame meow. Hope you liked my meow compared to the actual meow. Go bowling at the Glen from Watkins Glen International. Chase Elliott leads 80 of 90 laps en route to the dub. His second of the season, one at Talladega earlier. You guys remember that. Second in a row at Watkins Glen, dating back to last season, and the fifth win of his Cup Series career. Say what you want about the arrow push. Say what you want about the arrow package. Say what you want about whatever. But I will tell you this. He did earn this win. But why were people upset? Well, I kind of mentioned it right there. Track position was king. And, and by the way, I hate to hate to spoil the party here. It never wasn't king. It's just that this package is kind of accentuating that. So Martin Truex Jr. comes home in second place. He was quicker throughout the entirety of the final run, but he just could not get around the number nine. And Chase actually realized that and admitted as much as well, saying, yeah, he, he was quicker. I felt like he was a little faster than we were, really, in, in, in all reality. Um, you know, and track position was king, and, and just having the clean air, I think, made the difference. So... You know, getting out in front of him on the uh, on the restart, and then you know, guys doing a good job on pit road and not having any mistakes, and you know, that was uh, that was a big deal. So I was actually watching this race at a bar in D.C. as well as on my phone, the NBC Sports app. Shout out to you, great uh, company man right here. But I think the race was really good. Like Watkins Glen is a really entertaining race, and it's becoming one of the most entertaining races of the season. And I'll set the record straight, too. I think some rivalries that might be brewing do not hurt that at all. We'll get to that in a second. But this is a really high-speed road course. Sonoma is more of a technical one. It's always been that way, and Watkins Glen has always been more of a high-speed one. People kind of compare Sonoma to a short track. You need a lot of forward drive, and Watkins Glen is more of like an intermediate or even a super speedway where aero really does come into play. Um, But going back to Truex for a second, you saw him beating and banging with Chase going down into turn one and then up through the S's before Chase was able to clear him going into the bus stop. They were beating and banging because Truex knew that was his only shot 
to get by him. His only realistic shot to get by him because you heard it on Radioactive this week on Fox. You heard it on Scan All on NASCAR and NBC. And you saw all the driver reaction post-race. The arrow push was really, really big. And a theme this year of, of drivers saying, damn, it's just so hard to pass. That was the case this weekend as well. But let's stick with Chase. This is a weekend of firsts for him. He was quickest in practice. They won the pole. They led the most laps. And then to have nothing go wrong, to run a perfect final stint of the last 25 or so laps and close it out with the win on Sunday afternoon, that is what championships and race wins are made of. Yeah, I mean, we've never uh, we've never done you know this as a team. This was the first time we've ever gone somewhere and sat on the pole and... and uh, led the most laps and won the race. I, I've never, uh, I've never done that in my career. And I'm sure Alan has, you know, at, at some point, but as a group, we've, we've never done that. So I, I just feel like, um, that to me is, is I feel like the biggest piece of the whole weekend is just knowing that, you know, we're the type of team and, and the caliber of team that can go and put on those kind of performances. And those are the kind of performances you have to put on to compete with those guys that, that uh, win often, you know. So uh, we just need to go do that more often, and and I think we can. Uh, I think we can run with them. Crucci Fallon Gustafson is the guy who calls the shots on top of the pit box, and he only had one qual with the final run, and it was what I mentioned, where Chase was perfect, but he was beaten and banging with Truex on the initial green flag lap, and there was a little bit of damage that came on what was the final restart. He thought that they might have a flat tire, but at the end of the day. Didn't matter. Tire held up. Car held up. Driver did the job. Wound up winners. Yeah, I think uh, the left rear damage was probably the the biggest concern that I had through the whole experience. Um, it was pretty significant damage, and and uh, it did look like it was you know kind of protruding through the sidewall and grooving the sidewall of the tire. So um, that's a tough one for sure. Uh, you know, some concern over that, and then. Uh, um, you know, I knew lap traffic was going to be a bit dodgy, and, and sure enough, we caught. I don't know who it was, but they're too wide um, down the straightaway into 10 there. So uh, that got a bit dodgy. But, yeah, I mean, there's nothing you can do. There's no reason to hold your breath or, or, or panic about it. I mean, we, we had done the best job we could all weekend long and, and put ourselves in position, and certainly Martin's – uh, extremely good red racer and, and has a really good car and was really fast. So um, I knew Chase is up to Chase, and Chase was going to have to run a perfect race uh, at that point in time, and he did. So uh, fortunately for us, we got the win. Team owner Rick Hendrick thinks that Chase Elliott and this nine team, they're good, and they can actually win a title here and now. He said that earlier on. He said, look, if we can get our cars just a little bit better and keep that momentum up throughout the entirety of the 10-race playoffs – as long as we're in Homestead, we got a shot. We saw that last year with Logano. People thought that he was the long shot. Same with Tyler Reddick. They both kind of were. But in the right place at the right time, having the best car and the most speed on the right run, you're a champion. And that's what ended up happening. Hendrick thinks that that can happen for the nine team as well. Well, every win's important. And, you know, this sport's extremely competitive. And you're uh, really proud of Chase. Uh, Leading that many laps, and uh, it's it's always get a, a good it's always good to get a win and builds momentum. So uh, I think all our cars ran pretty good today. So uh, looking forward to the rest of the races. Rounding out the top five, you had Denny Hamlin, Eric Jones, and Ryan Blaney. 
Then in the top 10, you had Matt Benedetto. Really solid run for him. Said that he was fighting for his life. This is what he loves to do. This is his job. And he said he has been paying attention to some of the media coverage going on in the past couple weeks about Christopher Bell possibly coming to the 95 and him losing his ride, all that stuff. Kevin Harvick, Kyle Larson, Brad Keselowski, and Kurt Busch completed the top 10. There were some rivalries that were renewed, sparked, began. I don't know what you want to call it, but, man, it was fun. So we got a few. We got Kyle Busch and William Byron. We got Kyle Busch and Bubba Wallace. We got Ryan Blaney and Jimmy Johnson. Those were the ones that happened on Sunday. There was one that happened on Saturday as well with uh, Justin Allgaier and Ross Chastain. Ross hit Justin a little bit in the bus stop. Justin did not take too kindly to that. Hit him back. Tore up the race car. Ross said, I'll get revenge. Um, And actually, a little tidbit, if you guys missed it, Dale Jr. this week on the Dale Jr. download, he said, look, I texted Justin after the race. I said, look, you got to squash this beef because I don't want our cars torn up. I don't want you getting into trouble on the racetrack. So you do whatever you got to do to squash this beef. So he gave him Johnny Davis's number, and hopefully that'll be settled. Actually, you know, hopefully it won't be because I want to see some Crazy stuff going on. Anyways, I digress. I'm going to give you my quick take on each of these rivalries that kind of got sparked. So let's start out with the first one, Bush and Byron. So Kyle was upset because on lap one, I guess lap two, going into turn one, William Byron did not give him too much room on the inside coming in and out of turn one. Now, I don't know if they made contact. If they did, it was completely tiny, minuscule contact. But Kyle spun around to basically keep from hitting the 24 lost a handful of spots clearly he did not take kindly to that so he shoved William Byron deep into the bus stop ran through the grass got a lot of grass on his grill and then uh, Chad Canals was upset about that so he came on the radio and he said hey if that 18 doesn't come around with damage there's going to be a real problem add a couple f-bombs in there and that's what he said so William Byron going up through the s's on the caution flag under stage one he rams into the back of Kyle Busch Kyle Busch, being the savvy veteran that he is, sees that coming, slams on the brakes. You saw all the brake dust come from that 18 car, and Willie B's nose is absolutely torn to pieces, smashed in like crazy. And Chad was getting a lot of crap for it, basically saying, hey, man, you got to let your driver do his thing. Uh, But, I mean, I I think it was – it's one of those things. It's not a racing deal, but I think it's fair. Like, Kyle's a savvy vet. He saw what was coming, so he got him back, and William Byron now knows to retaliate in maybe a different way. So that was the first one that went on. And then Kyle Busch got into it with Bubba Wallace. Now, Bubba got sent spinning, presumably by Busch. There was no clear, concise replay that we saw from the NBC broadcast in the carousel, and Bubba was not happy about that. So what does he do? Coming down the front stretch, he made his displeasure loud and clear they were beating and banging like no other that that was probably some of the most aggressive racing that I've seen this season and then once Kyle gets by Bubba going into turn one he says I've had enough of you old boss by the way another funny tidbit of this William Byron and Bubba Wallace both drove for Kyle Busch in the truck series in the past few years so it's like the old students are getting back at the teacher I guess they just had enough Bubba had enough punted Kyle Busch out of the way Spun out, no real damage, lost a handful of spots. Crowd went crazy. And Bubba tweeted that after the race. He basically said, hey, cool day at the Glen. Crowd was really lit or something like that. That was kind of funny. And then he did not mince words 
after the race either. He basically said, look, just because he's Kyle Busch doesn't mean that I'm going to take any crap from him uh, with a lot more F-bombs in there and said F him to kind of end the interview. Kyle Busch, from everything that I read and saw and listened to, declined comment on it. So that was the second one. I'm on Bubba's side there. Um, <laughs> hey, like I'm all for rookies not taking crap. And then you had Ryan Blaney and Jimmy Johnson. Both guys are super kind of chill, don't really show their emotions that much. Jimmy Johnson especially. I mean, yeah, he's a seven-time champ, and we hear all the time, like, Jimmy's not really a vanilla guy. He's fun once you get to know him. Well, Jimmy was pissed. Ryan Blaney was on four tires. Jimmy took zero. Why did I take zero? I mean, why did I say zero? That sounded weird. He took no tires. Anyways, so Ryan was coming with a head of steam. Again, in the carousel. Seems to be a trouble spot. Touched Jimmy a little bit. Ryan said that he did not mean to, but Jimmy spun around and had a little bit of damage on his car. He came back, and he was very upset. They talked about it post-race. Jimmy was in Ryan's face, basically wagging a finger, saying, hey, listen to me, young man. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a seven-time champion. I've been around the block a time or two. What you did is not cool. It's not acceptable. And Jimmy went on afterwards when he was on the record on camera, and he basically said, I couldn't even tell what he was saying because his lip was quivering so much he was scared. I was like, oh, my God, Jimmy Johnson is getting in on this action right now. Like, I had never seen anything from him like that. And Ryan Blaney was the typical Ryan Blaney, low talker, chill dude, no real vibes that are emulating from him. But he was pretty chill about the whole thing as well. So my take on each of them, I'm on William Byron's side with the Kyle Busch thing because I don't think Kyle had beef. I'm on Bubba's side with the Kyle Busch thing because I'm all for young drivers standing up to the man. And I'm on Jimmy Johnson's side for the Ryan Blaney thing because I like seeing a seven-time champion who has not gotten the respect in the mainstream media that he deserves, who has not really put his persona and his personality out there, finally showing some fire. I've never seen fire like this from Jimmy Johnson. Part of it probably comes from the fact that he's had three crew chiefs in under two years. Part of it comes from that he's in the longest winless streak of his career. He's fighting for a playoff spot, something that he's never had to do in the past because he's made the playoffs every single year that it's been in existence. But goddamn, do I like this Jimmy Johnson. This is fun. And Watkins Glen was fun as well. I was able to be there on Friday for the K&M Pro Series race, but not for the rest of the weekend. We'll get to that in one moment, though. Let's talk about the K&M Pro Series East and Xfinity Series from Watkins Glen as well as touch on the Gander Outdoors Truck Series from Eldora Speedway. Austin Sindrick outduels A.J. Allmendinger and Kyle Busch to win at Watkins Glen for his first career Xfinity Series victory. He is now locked into the playoffs. Seems like a bit of a road course ringer, Austin Sindrick does. We knew coming into today, especially after qualifying, it was going to be really tough to beat Kyle Busch. Um, he had seven tenths on the field in qualifying, and uh, I was scratching my head where to find that. So we, we knew today was going to be a good points day, and and being able to be conservative at tracks that were, were that are probably in our wheelhouse. And uh, after they had their issues, and we, we kind of knew it was game on from, from there on. So um, to be able to execute like we did and obviously get the right restart in stage three, get a gap, be able to be racing AJ, and then obviously come out in pits in front of him was really crucial. And then um, that call with about 15 to go between Brian and I, we uh, – we decided that it was time to go on offense, and and obviously it all worked out in the end. And um, I, I'm I'm so I'm so happy that AJ and I were able to have the battle that we had, and be able to put on that kind of a show for the fans, and and be able to you know hug it out after the race, and no feelings hurt, and you know really be able to 
to to have such an awesome first win and, and to be able to do it in my sponsor Moneyline's backyard is is awesome. Um, they, they do so much to support my program, um, and so I couldn't be happier. And I'm excited for next week. Another first time winner in K and N, Max McLaughlin, K and N Pro Series East winner, baby, quickest in practice, wins the pole, leads every lap minus six of them because the race was cut short due to Mother Nature, and won the thing. I still don't believe the fact that this is Max's first time on a road course because he, he told me earlier on in the day, like, hey, I mean, we got a really good car, but I've never raced on a road course, so we'll see how it goes. It's just crazy the fact that he did all of this with no experience. Oh, it was awesome, you know, um, qualified on the pole and not really sure, um, you know, how to save tires yet. I've never ran a road race before, so... Uh, it was kind of new for, new to me, but that thing was so good. I really just, uh, you know, ran my hit my marks. I, I ran the heck out of it, and uh, it really never gave up. So, um, you know, we uh, could gain on them through a couple locations on the track, and I made sure that I hit those right. And uh, I know Tanner Gray was pretty good uh, after that second, you know, after our stop or whatever. And, um, you know, I had to step it up a little bit, and I think we got uh, to a, a comfortable lead, and um, then the rain came, so. Uh, I had a great time, man. This car was flawless to drive, and um, Hattori Racing Enterprises, Shiggy Hattori, uh, they do so much for me, and uh, pleasure, or a pleasure to drive this uh, Mohawk Toyota Camry. Check out some more interviews from Max on NASCARHomeTracks.com, as well as the social media pages. You can check out the Twitter for those. Second place is Chase Caber. He was close, but honestly not that close. <laughs> he's a funny dude, and, and he's actually good friends with Max as well. He came home best in class on Friday. So close yet so far for Chase Cabry here today. I know you wanted this one pretty bad. You felt like you had a really solid car, and you did, coming home in second place. Did, did you want to go back racing? Yeah, uh, not at all. Uh, <laughs> no, was nobody going to beat Max, so the only thing that was going to happen was whether the 21 went down in there and got into me or whatever, whatever was going to happen. Um, I didn't know, so I was kind of... You know, looking forward to it, calling it there because I didn't want to see a caution. And then the caution came out, and I was trying to go through everything in my brain, what I could do, and um, and I knew I wasn't going to beat Max. He was really good unless he made a really crucial mistake. So, um, you know, second is a good day for us, really good day on a road course. Uh, we got points on both Sam and Derek, and uh, we'll go back on to some ovals. I was going to say, Sam, I was talking to Sam. I said, hey, you know, you had a really good day. You gained some points on Derek. He said straight up, I'm not worried about Derek anymore. I'm worried about Chase. So it seems like it's getting down to almost a two-horse race for this East Championship. Do you feel that way? Uh, no, Derek's a great kid. Uh, he's a great driver, and uh, he'll come to life at some of these races. You just, you know, you can't start counting them out of races. You'll always got to count them as being there. And uh, We'll go to Bristol next, which Sam was really good at, and uh, – who knows what will happen. Um, I thought today was a good race. Me and Sam uh, ran pretty good together. We made a little contact down there. But, hey, we're, we're racing. Um, you know, if we're going to go out and, you know, everybody stay off each other, well, to me that's not racing. Let's go out and have some fun. And as long as we're not taking each other out, you know, Rubin's racing, and we'll keep going on to the more and more and, and have fun with it. During the rain delay, you were showing me the replay of when you pretty much just sent it in there in the carousel. Take me through that move. And that was on Sam Mayer for you guys that weren't watching, but you were yawed out sideways. Yeah, I, uh, I knew the only place I was beating them was the bus stop. Um, and then I was beating them through the slower section, but when we go through the S's, I kept getting really aerotight, and I got a really good run on them through uh, the bus stop the lap before, and I said, okay, when we go back through there, if I get that, I was just going to breathe on them getting down in the carousel. 
Um, and then we, you know, that exact deal happened. I got to him and, you know, kind of got into his right rear. And then I started to get loose and uh, started to chase it up the racetrack. And I was back on my back on my The ending there, he was actually my cameraman for the practice interview with Max when he was quickest. So I literally was waiting by Chase's car. He gets out, debriefs with his crew chief for a little bit, looks at me, he's like, you ready? I'm like, yeah, let's go. And he just held the camera for me. What a guy he is. Jack of all trades, as he said. He majored in, uh, I believe, videography or something like that um, at school. So he knows what he's doing. Sam Mayer, third place. Interesting and telling quotes from him here. I'll let him do the talking. Third place finish for Sam Mayer after he wins the K&N Pro Series combination event at Iowa Speedway. Did you want to go back racing? Part of me wanted, yeah, uh, but also I really didn't want to because I didn't want to risk losing anything. Uh, but I feel like we could have had a shot right there at the end to go and get him. But again, like he was so fast that I don't know if we could have gotten to him. We didn't have the best car today. Uh, but I can't think of everyone at GMS, GMS Racing, um, Chevrolet, Chevrolet Accessories, Drivers Edge Development, everything, and everyone who helps support me, even get me out here. I uh, can't thank them enough. Uh, but a solid top three after uh, after a win, uh, especially at a place like this that's so tough. Uh, but I'm really excited for uh, the rest of the season. Uh, hopefully go get more wins. Yeah, and I think I was talking to you earlier. You said this was going to be kind of a points day for you guys, but coming home with a top three finish and finishing a substantial markers ahead of Derek Krause, who you're battling for the championship here in the East, that's got to feel like a successful day. I'm not worried about Krause anymore. I'm worried about Cabri. Uh, Krause is like 12 back for me at least. Uh, so, And Cabri's now, I think, second second in points. So uh, we're racing him. He's definitely making a comeback, but I don't think I don't think it'll be enough. Uh, so we're just going to go out and try to win some more races this year. Sam Mayer comes home third today. And Sam and Chase got into a bit of a dust-up as well. Chase touched on it in his interview. My opinion on that, Rubbin's racing. I love it. I love when the K&M Pro Series guys and gals get into it with each other. It makes for more content for me, more good racing for the fans to watch. I like that. BMR, Bill McAnally Racing, we've talked about them extensively on this show. They had a bad day. General Manager Kevin Bellacourt chatted with me to discuss what happened with the 19 of Brandon Jones, extensive engine issues. They had a transmission issue before practice started. First lap in practice, they blew an engine. Qualifying, the engine started smoking again. During the race, a fuel pump broke. I mean, everything was going wrong for them. And Derek Krause, the guy who's going for the double uh, points championship at the k Pro Series East and West, he just did not have the speed all day long. Came home with the top 10, but... Let's face it, guys, with the car counts this year, that's not really a big accomplishment, especially for a driver like Derek and a team like BMR. So uh, I, t- I caught up with Kevin to see what was going on with BMR this weekend. Here with the jack-of-all-trades, the man who does it all at BMR, Kevin Bellacourt. Rough day for you guys on the 19 camp, first of all. Let's talk about that. A lot of engine issues. What was the problem? Gosh, we just had everything go wrong you could have go wrong today. It's just one of them deals. It happens uh, just bad luck kind of day but uh, everybody did a good job keeping digging after it. obviously changed the motor after practice and then had a problem in qualifying but we rectified that figured out what it was and from there it just uh then in the race the fuel pump went bad so 
Uh, Brandon did a great job. The main point of doing the whole deal was obviously for Brandon to get laps, get some experience for tomorrow. So at least he got a lot of laps in the race. Um, hate it went the way it did all day, but uh, guys never gave up. Brandon never gave up. So that's the good thing. And the 16th of Krause, he lost some ground in the Canon East points chase today. Not the most characteristic day we're used to seeing out of him. What were the struggles that he was fighting today? We just missed it on the balance for him. Uh, he just was never happy with it, never had the rear grip that we needed. Uh, just uh, we got to go back to the drawing board on some of this stuff and, and, and get better. Um, so, so we're going to go home and work hard on it and try to make our stuff better. We just missed it setup-wise. And uh, I know he lost some track position there on that restart. Uh, he qualified decent. Um, but we just never today had the speed that we needed. So uh, we're going to go back and, uh, and work hard and try to get better. When it rains, it pours, pun intended. Another first-time winner on the dirt at Eldora. Stuart Friesen, a long, long time coming for this guy. He actually had the most starts among active drivers in truck series without a win and the most second-place finishes among active drivers without a win. Finally, finally, the Canadian from Niagara on the lake gets his first career truck series win at a place that holds a very special meaning to him. I don't even know what to say. It's, it's like I said, it, uh, it's sweet. It's special. Finally, it's, it's a lot of weight off my shoulders. I put way too much pressure on myself every week when things don't go right or, or there's mistakes and, and we didn't win races. I take 100% of the, the responsibility every time, and I beat myself up bad about it. And then I beat myself up really, really bad after Pocono last week. And, uh, and these two guys right here and my wife um, got behind me. And, and, and I know Trip was talking about some communication, but we, we had, a, had a conference call Monday morning with, with just our, our road guys, our, the, the seven of us, and talked. And, and Jess, you know, we drove back from Pocono, and, and Jess, just, we just talked the whole time. We went and raced at Fonda that night, and, and Chris echoed everything that they said. It was just, he goes, you wouldn't be driving for me if I didn't believe in you. So just go drive and just do it and, and enjoy it. And, and that's what we did. We came in here, here the last two days and enjoyed ourselves and, and raced hard. And, uh, you know, those guys just put an excellent truck underneath me. They worked really, really, really hard. Um, the, the trucker Eric Wakeland called it an F1 dirt car. And, and it, yeah, yeah, this F1 dirt car we got that we wait, put way too much time into. Well, it, 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 it paid off. And he was just breaking balls, but... Um, it was just a lot of hard work by everybody, a lot of support, and uh, I just appreciate it all. Not the greatest race for the control tower, honestly. There was a lot, and I mean a lot, of stoppages and caution flags and added laps, and the fans let the pace truck and race control hear about it. But overall, man, solid Xfinity race. Wasn't able to watch a lot of it, unfortunately. I had a family wedding this weekend. Solid K&N race. Max McLaughlin and Hattori Racing Enterprises had an absolute rocket ship. And a solid truck race as well. Really good weekend of racing. Interview time! Let's talk to Landon Castle of Starcom Racing and the Monster Energy Cup Series veteran. This is one of the five, count them, five interviews I did at New Hampshire Motor Speedway for you guys. Landon is the first one I want to share with you. Some topics that we talked about. What the hell is Starcom? (laughs) How did he get four championship rings while working at Hendrick Motorsports? Why doesn't he drive for them? Why didn't he drive for them? But he kind of did. What's the story behind his Twitter header photo? I really thought that it was going to be a better story than it was. You'll have to listen. What was it like growing up in Iowa? He relives a Bobby Hamilton Jr. fight. What about the business side of the sport? He's seen a lot from that angle. He's raced for so many teams in his career. The Alex Bowman comparison, any regrets from Daytona earlier this season when he pitted when he did, his son Beckham racing in Iowa, and so, so much more. 
I hope you enjoy our conversation. Joined now by Landon Castle, driver of the number double zero for Starcom Racing. Landon, thanks for taking some time with me this morning. Really appreciate it on this hot New England Absolutely. morning. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm glad we're in the air conditioning. <laughs> yeah, it f- feels real good. So I want to start off with a little bit of somber news. Obviously, we were just talking off Mike. Your former crew chief um, passed away earlier yesterday morning, Nick Harrison. You, you worked with him in the Phoenix racing days back in the Cup Series. It's, it's just kind of crazy. You said you were talking to him yesterday right before he hopped in the car. It's it's tragic. Yeah, yeah. Nick um, Nick was a, a good friend to a lot of people. He's He had a great influence early in my career. Um, in the Xfinity series and in the Cup series as, as my crew chief in multiple different capacities, uh, different types of uh, race cars. So, um, you know, that's that's it's a tough one. That's still very very fresh, and um, you know, he touched a lot of people. He had he was a very loyal person, and people were very loyal to him. So. Um, he had a lot of friends in the garage. It seems like everybody's pouring in just happy messages. He, he seemed like that kind of guy that always had a smile on his face. Yeah, yeah. He was always, you know, he always greeted me with um, with a loud yell and uh, maybe a big hug. Uh, saw him in Daytona just a couple weeks ago, and he had his swim trunks on and his shirt off in the <laughs> in the, in the lobby of the hotel, and <laughs> greeted me and my wife with a big sweaty hug. And Who doesn't um, love that? he just, you know, he he was so special to me because. Um, we hadn't worked together in a, in in the last five or six right. years, but um, um, but every time I saw him, he was always so proud of me and and so proud of um, any whatever I was doing, and and so um, it was always a pleasure to see him in the garage. He definitely left his mark, yep. for sure. Well, let's talk about some happier stuff. I yep. want to focus yep. on you and Starcom for yep. the kind of arc of this interview. Let's start at the beginning. So I, I read that your family was kind of in the used car business. Back yeah. in Iowa, and is that kind of how you got the racing bug, got into this whole thing? Yeah, I, uh, my family owns a car dealership in Cedar Rapids. We sell used cars, and that's that's kind of how I got spent my life around cars. Yeah, and then I think I also read, so you started racing go-karts at 8, but you started racing, period, at 3. Do I have that right? Yeah, I started racing four-wheelers and, and riding around uh, when I was 3, 4 years old. Um, but but competitive racing. Uh, when I was eight years old, my dad got me and my brother a go kart. I feel like three years old, even though it in this garage it's not uncommon. But I feel like that's still maybe on the earlier side. Like not a lot of three year olds might be racing. You know what I mean? It's pretty young. I mean, we were riding four wheelers, and uh, my son's four right now, and and he's just now kind of into a go kart yeah. for the first time. Yeah, we'll get to that. Um, so it's uh, you could definitely start pretty young. I I think that um. There's a lot of things for kids to do these days. So, uh, but yeah, shoot, when you're in Iowa and riding a four wheel around the fields was pretty easy. What was it like growing up in Iowa? Uh, it's great. You know, I love Iowa. I could always see myself moving back there yeah. someday if I, um, you know, I just it's uh, I, maybe that's part of getting old as an adult <laughs> is is you know having uh, fond memories of home. Yeah, I just feel like it gets a bad rap. I mean, my perspective, I'm from the East Coast, right? Yeah. It gets that perspective of there's Fly nothing to do state, out there, yeah. flyover state, it's corn, that's it. But, I mean, we're going there next weekend, the Xfinity and K&N is, yeah. so there's stuff to do. <laughs> there's stuff to do, but I I also think that, um, especially in our in our life where there's so many options and so many distractions, yeah. um, it's easy to gloss. Having a place that has a simpler life and a, sim- uh, a simpler background is actually pr- seems pretty attractive to me yeah i guess we'll, we might see you back there once your racing yeah. days might be over um let's talk about your team starcom racing i'm i'm very intrigued about them so yeah going back in 2017 i believe the first planned attempt at dover 
didn't pan out for whatever reason. And then they withdrew from that race, ran full time in 2018. You ran a handful of races there. Um, and then you did a, you did a handful of starts that year. And then of course, 2019, you're in the car full time. Um, and you're now kind of a respectable team. Corey LaJoy even said so on his podcast. And people might look on the surface and say, well, here's this backmarker team that yeah. might have no sponsors on the car. No, we're growing, though. I mean, you know, I think that we've made a lot of progress and we've improved in a lot of areas. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's a constant, um, consistent growth kind of sport. You know, things don't happen suddenly. I think that we've made a lot of upgrades. And particularly, I mean, our our pit crew over the wall has been a huge a huge upgrade this year we we're, we're a tremendous team you know our tire changers i got john and bitters you know those two guys are best in the business and man i think that um you know just getting in and out of the pit box has been a, just just one example it's of a huge things. improvement yeah i mean it's they're really elite athletes that are jumping over the wall for me and um and that's just one example of an improvement that you can make as a team um, in addition to the cars and the crew chief and the um, the fabricators and and the spotter, everybody across the board, you know, those are the things that you're trying to build as a team. But but um, yeah, those tire changers, man, they're athletes. So what what should people know about Starcom that they might not see in the mainstream media? Because like I said, I feel like yeah. the team might get a bad rap of saying they're a back market team. That's all they are. But clearly, you guys are building something bigger here. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that what people may not understand is that our, our parent company, Starcom Fiber, um, are owned by a small group of, of really tight-knit business partners that work really closely together, and they're very committed to the sport, and they're in it for the long haul. I mean, they're looking at the, the potential of the Gen 7 and the investment requirement that that's going to be on a small team, and they're looking at the, the long-term vision of owning a charter, and 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 they've put themselves in a position where they have the assets they need to make it the distance we've got a shop we've got equipment we've got yeah. engines we've got a charter we've got a, we've got all that stuff so um we just have to continue to develop as a team and you've got an alliance too with richard children's racing as well well we're we're currently buying um leasing engines from them okay. so uh, you know the the next step for us uh, with richard children's racing would would be to do a full technical alliance mm-hmm. where we're getting cars and engineering assistance. That's and a big step. Though. It's a big step, and and it you know it requires um, a, a big financial commitment. Mm-hmm. And and right now as a team, it's a it's a priority for us to s- sort of establish our business model from a marketing perspective of you know what what kind of partners do we need to have on the car and and how can we represent them and what can they get out of being. Um, uh, being involved in this sport, and when we can establish that sort of model and 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 establish those key partners, then that'll that'll give us a vision on what what kind of technical lines we'll be able to go after. I want you to be honest with me. Did did you know what Starcom Fiber was like when you first started? Because I, I had no idea. No, I, I looked no. it up, and it's a telecommunications company based in New Jersey. Yeah. Like I didn't even know what like Starcom Fiber was, and then yeah. I realized, oh, it's that yellow stuff that goes on the fiber optics and the wiring. You had no idea either. Well, they're they're. I had no idea, but they're um, yeah. They're they're basically a contractor that installs um, telecom networks in, right. in commercial buildings and and um, and big real estate developments, um, mostly in New Jersey, New York. So they uh, they have a lot of work up there, and they they're very busy. They have a very um, committed employee base. They have a very good employee morale in their in their. Um, in their core business um they have a very uh 
a very committed client base as well, and they treat people well. So um, that's kind of a model that, that they just need to replicate here in the race team, and we'll have a lot of success. Derek Cope is the one who kind of spearheaded this entire operation. W what does he like to work with? What does he like to talk to? And I feel like he might get a bad rap because people kind of think of him as, oh, yeah, he lucked in the Daytona 500, and then he just ran in the back for all those years. But what's he like to work with and be as be an owner almost? Derek's great. I mean, he's he's got a lot of he's got a wealth of knowledge and experience. He you know he didn't just win the Daytona 500. He's yeah. he's he's won <coughs> he's he's won more races than that, and he's. He's worked with a lot of champions, a lot of great people, a lot of great crew chiefs, and uh, yeah, he's. he's uh, I, I appreciate working with him because he's someone that that understands what I'm going through as a driver, a lot of times, and and so he's able to um, communicate with me well uh, with my struggles or mm -hmm. something that I'm trying to improve on. That's a lot of things that drivers might not be able to do with with certain crew chiefs, and it's it's nice to have that at least in the company. Yeah, I mean, I've had I've been in a lot of teams where I was the only person of that team that really had any driving experience. Right. And, you know, there's, it's hard to have someone to go to um, that can empathize with you and, and help you work through whatever your issues are. I think you brought Main and Tail as a sponsor as well. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, that's a good sponsor. I, I wrote down. Derek's got, got a long relationship yeah, with them. <laughs> so I knew that, and I, I wrote down that you have really good hair too. Yeah, so thanks. it's like a partnership made <laughs> yeah, in heaven. Yeah, yeah they're going to be on our car at Pocono. So, really cool. Um, yeah, they, that'll be their, their primary race this year. I'm really looking forward to it. So let's fast forward a few years uh, from your early driving to when you get into NASCAR. A lot of people might not know that you were actually in the Hendrick Motorsports organization, and you won four championships yeah. with that organization, and you got the rings to show yeah, for it, too? Yeah, yeah. I worked, uh, um, was a test driver um, for Jimmy Johnson, Chad Knauss, and that mm -hmm. whole 48 team, and spent a lot of time in that organization. I was right in the heyday, in the, too. Yeah, in the R&D department, and, um, and that was my first job in NASCAR as a driver, was to test cars. Um, I didn't really go through a traditional sort of driver development program. Um, that was just not where my services were needed at the time. I ran some races in the Xfinity series, um, and but my primarily I was I was test driving. And you were doing pit stop practice too. I read that. I think. <laughs> yeah, did, did pretty much a little bit of everything. Yeah, that's what you got to do when you're any, trying to make yeah, it in, right? Anything that needed a driver, I was I was there. What was it like working for that iconic organization? Like I like I mentioned in its heyday, because it's it's one thing to look at it from the outside and say, "Man, I wish I could be a part of that." You were a part of that, a big part. Yeah, of that. yeah, it was great. I got to see firsthand um, the ingredients to their success and see how they all operated and see really the magic. Um, of of a high powered crew chief like Chad Canales and mm -hmm. see you know what what it was about him that uh, was so impactful. I'll put you on the spot. Is Jimmy the goat? I think he is. Absolutely. Yeah. Hundred percent. I, I think the the fact that they're able to they did what they did across all the di different iterations of cars. Yeah. NASCAR changed rules Champion, for them. Championship layouts. Yeah. Insane. Yep. So I think it's no doubt as well. Uh, the last time we talked, I believe it was a couple years ago, you told me about a little altercation that you had with Bobby Hamilton Jr. Uh -huh. in the Xfinity Series in Memphis in the mid to early 2000s. Can you just give the listeners a 411 of what <laughs> happened that day? Yeah, we kind of had a season-long feud going. Um, it started in Nashville where um, he blew a right front tire and hit the wall and, and felt like I was um, to blame for that. And I didn't really have any recollection of what what caused that or where we um, why that would have been my fault. But um, the next incident was here in New Hampshire. Actually, um, I'd qualified on the pole for the Xfinity race, uh, but we had to change an engine and go to the back. So I started at the back, and I was coming up through the field. And by the time I got to about 15th or 16th, where he was running, 
um, he uh, he crossed me over and spun me out and wrecked me and made it clear that it was intentional and it was payback uh, from whatever happened in New Hampshire. Or, I'm sorry, at, at, at Nashville. Nashville, sorry, sorry. Nashville. And uh, so we came along to Memphis and, um, y- you know, I don't know, I was... I was 18, so I was trying. You know, I should have let it go. And, yeah. Um, but hindsight's 2020. Hindsight's 2020. But I was on the last lap, and I was right behind him, and uh, so I just hooked him. <laughs> and it was at the end of the race, and wrecked his car, and he came running down pit road, and um, got in my face, and was, his wife was standing in front of my car, giving me the double birds, and <laughs> it was pretty stupid. <laughs> Reminds me of what Max Pappas's wife did that one time. Yeah. I think it, it was her. It was his wife, right? When I think she like slapped some, or Max Pappas got slapped in the face at a road course in the truck race or Xfinity race by somebody. I remember that. You, remember, you know what I'm yeah, talking about, right? I remember that. I don't remember I who even, exactly it was. Was it Road America, maybe? It was either Road America or yeah. something. That yeah. was funny, though. <laughs> yeah, you know, Bobby was going through a lot at that time. His yeah. team was mm-hmm. his team was uh, kind of on the fritz, and, um, you know, I was a young driver and good equipment, and um, I could see why even, you know, starting with his animosity towards me, at Nashville, um, where he cut that tire, you know, I'm sure we had contact. I'm not a, I didn't really remember it or why we had contact. I know it wasn't intentional. I didn't wreck him intentionally, but he must have thought I did something that was irresponsible on the track. And oh, I can, I, you know, looking back on it, I can see why he was mad at me or had some resentment towards me about yeah. it. But at the end of the day, I think I've learned from those incidents that, like, it's just, just racing, man. Yeah. We're all trying to race. We're all trying to do good for ourselves and our teams and. Um, you can't take stuff personally. I feel like you've seen also a lot of things in this business from the business side yeah. of things, especially driving for smaller teams that might not get as much of the mainstream coverage. There's, you know, whether it's a last second sponsor deal and somebody else gets to drive the car yeah. or whether it's, oh, we're going to go to this race and run X races and you only end up going to so much, so many yeah. of them. I, mean, I feel like you've seen a lot from that side of things that a lot of other people haven't. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been through it all. You know, I've lost my ride from drivers that could just bring money and you know i've 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 been put in cars that where the team owners needed needed help and they had nothing else and they had no sponsors they needed a driver that could put them on the map and then about the time you put them on the map they send you down the river because someone came along and made their company more profitable so you know that that kind of stuff happens and you just gotta you gotta understand how everything works to be able to keep good relationships and not take it personally and and look out f- for yourself. I mean, ultimately, if you can be the one with sponsorship or, or with more leverage, then it gives you uh, – you can you can choose your own destiny. I was going to say, does that kind of piss you off, or is it more so just circumstance, and that's kind of how this business works? It definitely makes you mad. I mean, you, nobody wants to be on the receiving end of mm-hmm. something unfortunate like that, but um, if you're if you're smart and you're mature, you'll charge it to the game, and you'll make yourself better next time. I, I was also doing some research, and I, I – I don't know if I counted correctly. I think you've raced for 17 or 18 teams across all three national series. Wow. that That's a lot. I mean, <laughs> yeah. does any one stick out to you? But in general, I feel like that's probably on the higher end of cup drivers in this garage Might to be. race for that yeah, many Yeah, I don't teams. know. I, you know, I, um, I th- you've been I around think, a while. I, I, yeah, I've been around. It's, it's, uh, it's an interesting number. That's an interesting perspective. Uh, I would like to think that it's, it's uh, a a good thing in a sense that I've been able to earn the trust of a lot of people and, and been able to fill in when people needed me. I've been able to serve a purpose 
um, in a lot of different cases. And, and, and for the majority of my career, that purpose has been uh, for a team that's in need, you know, a team that's in need to get off the ground and get get running, get, find some stability. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just that one box that hasn't been checked is 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 to be in a position to win on a week-to-week basis. And somebody who was, is, and now has is Alex Bowman. Mm-hmm. I feel like you got your guys' careers have been somewhat parallel up until yeah, this point. Similar, yeah. yeah, and you had a really nice tweet after he won the race at Chicago, and I think yeah. that kind of summarized the way that maybe people look at because from my perspective, I think you guys are very similar in the, in the aspect of you've paid your dues, right? Yeah. You have a lot of talent. Alex has gotten that opportunity, and now he's making good on it. You yeah. just haven't really gotten that last part of the puzzle. Yeah, I mean, Alex, um, you know, we all have different stories, and they're up, and some are more similar than others. So Alex has had a lot of great fortune that has helped put him in those positions. Um, you know, he got a 10-race deal at Junior Motorsports a couple years ago, and, and that came from sponsorship that he was able to bring. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he put himself in a position um, to get that sponsorship and to invest that money, and he, he could have – he could have made the wrong move with that type of privilege. You know, he could have he could have taken that to a deal that wouldn't have yielded him the success that I did at Junior Motorsports. But he got in that car and um, he, you know led a lot of laps, ran really well, really won over Dale Jr. and was able to fill in for Dale Jr. when he was in need. Um, you know, drove a 42 car at Charlotte, won the race. I mean, he's he's he he's done what he needed to do at, at the right time. So. Um, I, you know, I've, I've, Alex was special to me in that whole experience, him winning his first race, just because I've raced side by side with him on, for the duration of a season before for 30th. Right. And I, you know, I know that he knows what it's like. So, um, it was, I definitely, when he won that race, I saw myself in victory lane as him. That's really cool. Yep. That's awesome. Did you did you exchange some texts or calls afterwards? Yeah, I mean, I called his dad on Monday, and and we had a very very nice conversation, and I talked to Alex as well. That's really cool. Yep. So you've had over three hundred cup starts now. Mm-hmm. Do you ever think about that and say, "Wow, I'm kind of old"? <laughs> I all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, especially because I just turned thirty this year. Exactly. It's kind of crazy, isn't yeah. it? Because you got guys like Harvick and Jimmy and Kurt that are in their 40s, and here you are. You just turned 30. Meanwhile, yep. you've got 300 starts at NASCAR's yep. top level. Yeah, it's crazy. It, it's wild. Um, I want to ask you about something on your Twitter. Love your social media, by the way. So your Twitter header, it says, vehicle near top speed. There's got to be a story in there. Please tell me what happened. I think it was like a 2000 and somethings. Well, it's my, it's my sister's car, actually. It was a Ford Taurus. Yikes. And like an early 2000s Ford Taurus, and uh, at like 78 miles an hour, it starts oh. to ding vehicle I near. It was t- a much better. Story. Uh, yeah, it's 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 uh it's not that great, but it's just <laughs> funny. Be- I think to me that's the funny part of the story is this is like going like 78 or 80 miles an hour, and it starts saying vehicle near top, top speed. Come so. On. I got it up to that speed, and I took a picture of it. Was it like an old Taurus, or was it like a? It's like early 2000s. I mean, still, though. <laughs> it's not funny. Yeah. I thought it was going to be a crazy story, like, oh, yeah, it was this rental car, and we were just having fun <laughs> in the old good old days. And, uh, oh, well. It's still it's still pretty funny, though. Yeah, it's a good screenshot. Yeah, for sure. Um, after Daytona, uh, you tweeted, had my chance, gave it away. Were you kind of down in the dumps about that for a little bit, or like I mentioned earlier, it, was it one of those things where you got over it quick because that's just circumstance, that's racing, it happens? Yeah, no, I mean, I, de- I was definitely down in the dumps. I I, <laughs> it was hard to get over, but it's racing, you know, it's just, you just so close to 
a win, but how are you supposed to know when lightning's going to strike no again? You know, it's just it's just looking back on it. It's like, wow, Kurt Busch pitted, and I was the next one. You know, if I would have stayed out, it would have been me. But um, you got to get over it, and I think I'm over it now. I mean, not yeah. over it, but <laughs> it's just just those those are. Uh, you know, those are hard to come by, and those super speedways, those are special races. I've been close at a lot of them. Mm-hmm. You know, I've I've led laps at those races. I've run well. Um, yeah, I'd love to win one more than anything. And that kind of leads me into my next one. You're one of those guys that has paid his dues almost longer than anybody else, but has yet to see the payoff. Mm-hmm. Do you ever think about, you know, what if this? What if I'm never going to get that top-tier ride? What if this is never going to happen for me? And, and if you do, have you rationalized it with yourself, saying, you know what, maybe this is where I'm going to be? I don't know. I don't really look at it that way. I mean, I look at the team that I'm at and I think, you know, how can I get this team to where to to where I can make that happen? You know, because ultimately, um, you know, I'm relying on the people that work around me to to give it everything they have for the greatest success. And if we have a whole team of people that are sitting here going, well, we may never get a chance to win. We all you know, if everybody else on this team wants wants to be in a better place then the team then the situation we're in won't be successful and if the situation you're in won't be successful then how are you ever going to get better opportunities like focus or, or on the here and the now yeah so i i've always just tried to focus on the here and the now and not the not the greener grass and um you know ultimately it's a success for me if i could help be a part of the growth of starcom racing to become a a, a competitive successful organization i think the you know, the changing business model of our sport might give us the ability to do that. I want to end with a with a fun question about your son, Beckham. You, you mentioned that he he's starting to get into racing. I believe that, that he ran his first race a little bit ago at your home track in yep. Cedar Rapids. In New Iowa, yeah. Okay, that, that must have been, sorry, yep. I get the Iowa's confused. Yeah, it's fine. That must have been a crazy cool moment for a dad. Yeah, it was it was cool, and I wasn't there. Beckham, Beckham that was a grandpa thing. He was, <laughs> uh, my dad, um got a kid cart ready for him and been telling him about it and he's been excited and and uh took him to the dirt track in newton iowa newton cart club where i grew up racing um full you know, circle yep yep so um it was uh it was pretty special got some pretty cool videos out of that you think he's gonna be a racer i don't know i don't know he's you want him to be do you care i don't know i mean i you know i just i want him to uh you know i want him to really love something and want to commit himself to it and if he if if he has that in him for anything and i can identify it i'll i'll do all i can to help foster that you know i think that's what's important for somebody i assume mom feels the same way <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i think that she it might take a little more to warm her up to the racing stuff but um but uh she you know she sees it as, as a as a hard a hard battle you know and that's yeah. the reality of it but uh but you don't really think about that when there's a five-year-old that just has a smile yeah. on his face of uh <laughs> driving a go-kart He's enjoying himself. So are you. Thanks for taking the time. Really appreciate it. We'll see you down the road. All right. Cool. One of the good guys in the garage area, Landon Castle, is. Appreciate him taking some time with me on a Sunday morning from New Hampshire. Hopefully we'll have him on later on in this podcast future to discuss more stuff. Really like to see him get one of the top tier rides. I think he's got some talent that has been untapped. Let's look ahead to Michigan and Mid-Ohio. The Consumers Energy 400 at Michigan International Speedway this Sunday, 3 p.m. on NBCSN. Not the best race at MIS earlier on this season. Joey Logano won that event, dominated it. Kevin Harvick, the defending winner of this event, 
Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course, Saturday afternoon, 3 p.m. on NBCSN as well. Justin Allgaier, the defending winner of this race. We got Will Rogers and Regan Smith, a couple road course ringers, so to speak, in this event. Will's obviously a good friend of mine. We've talked about that at length on this podcast in the first iteration of Victory Lane. He's racing for Brandon Built Motorsports, so I'd watch out for that 86 car to be running up front when it hasn't so much this season. Did hear that there's a little rain in the forecast, which is music to my ears because the last time we had rain at Mid-Ohio, my God, that was a you-know-what show. Michigan Truck Series race as well, Saturday, 1 p.m. on FS1. Final race of the regular season, time to get into the playoffs. Be on the lookout on NASCAR.com later on this weekend or early next week for a Trucks Playoff Gallery-type piece that I'm doing for them. Um, It's going to be really cool. I believe they call it a capsules of the trucks, so should be fun. I'm looking forward to the racing this weekend. I'm going to head to the beach before I have another long stretch uh, of racing for the K&M Pro Series East and West, guys and gals. I'll talk to you guys next week about my Bristol Evergreen double that's going to happen. It is going to be very tiring, let's just say that, but I'm going to relax this weekend and enjoy Michigan and mid-Ohio. Lugnuts of the week! Key the music. Alex Taglion is going to race for Kyle Busch Motorsports at Bowmanville, Canadian Tire Motorsports Park. He has a best finish of fifth with Brad Keselowski racing back in 2015 at that track. And he, he raced in Xfinity last, I believe, in 2016 at Road America? Question mark. He's also a nine-time Pinty Series winner. So Tagliani going to be strong for KBM there. Bubba Wallace's Darlington throwback is an Adam Petty Charlotte Arca winning car from 1998. It's got some purple, some green, some orange. Really good-looking car for a good cause as well. GMS Racing's number two team has been penalized for a separation of an added ballast at Eldora. Jeff Stankowitz is the crew chief. Truck chief Austin Pollock and engineer Jonathan Stewart, they've been suspended for the next three events through September 10th. And the interim crew chief is going to be Darren Fraley, who actually called the shots for Jordan Anderson a little bit earlier this year in the truck series. Mark Hillman was also fined $10,000 for a loose lug nut on Parker Kligerman's number 96 car at the Glen. Penske and Discount Tire have agreed to a multi-year partnership. It's going to include five additional races for Brad Keselowski next season as primary sponsor on the two-car. Daytona, Indianapolis, and the season finale at ISM Raceway in Phoenix are among them. Now he will have a total of 15 primary races with discount tire on the car and they still will have an associate sponsorship with joey logano ryan blaney and austin sendrick a little bit of a sketchy situation at least i think jeffrey earnhardt has parted ways with ik9 and ik9 said that jeffrey was the one that terminated the deal we still don't know everything detail wise that has come out of this whole thing time will obviously tell but I don't know. Jack Hawksworth is going to be racing that car this weekend at Mid-Ohio. He's an IndyCar driver, so we'll see how he does in his NASCAR debut. couple more Darlington throwbacks. Chase Briscoe is honoring Parnelli Jones with his throwback in the 98. Really cool deal. Jagger Jones, K&M Pro Series West regular. He approves of his grandfather's tribute. Denny Hamlin is going to be racing a Bill Elliott number 11 Budweiser car in the Xfinity Series race at Darlington. And Eric Jones is throwing it back to his rookie late model paint scheme that he ran uh, back in the day, I guess. 
Kyle Larson's Knoxville Nationals quest just got a lot more difficult. There's a lot of logistical concerns that are going on with him in terms of can he make it back in time? Can he get back from Michigan where he's going to be qualifying to Knoxville to try to qualify for the race and then race in the race and then go back? It's a whole shebang. It's a whole to-do. But Chip Ganassi has let him do it before, so we'll see if he lets him do it once again. A lot of good coverage on The Athletic. Shout out to my guy Jeff Gluck for all the stuff he's doing over there. That'll wrap things up for the Jordan episode of Victory Lane 2.0, episode 23. Do me a favor, guys. Please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. We're also on Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud. Uh, I'm going to start reading some reviews on this podcast. If you guys send them in, text me or screenshot them, tweet them to me at Davy Center. Be sure to like my Facebook page as well. Uh, it's at, it's not at, if you just search Davy Siegel, that'll come up. Um, but yeah, it's also linked on my website, DavySiegel.com. I post all my stuff there and subscribe to my YouTube channel as well if you're a true OG homie. Peace and love, everybody. Hope you enjoy the racing this weekend at Michigan and Mid Ohio. I will try not to get sunburned at the beach. And I will talk to you guys next time.